0: Amen. Amen. Well, as I've told you, perhaps you've you've noticed um, from the the handout, uh, from the prayer, uh, we today will consider the one verse in this wonderful, wonderful psalm. Well, not even just the one verse. The one statement in the in the one verse, verse 15 says, "My times." Are in your hands. That is our passage for this evening. And I hope not the verse of the year, but that it would be a, a, a catalyst for us throughout this year to remember that wherever, whatever betides, whatever happens in our life, our times are in his hands. And I wanted to start this evening by asking you a very straightforward question. What is the most repeated commandment in Scripture? What is the most repeated commandment in Scripture? Now, notice that I'm not asking you what is the first, uh, most important commandment. Our Lord Jesus, 2,000 years ago, if there ever was a debate about it, our Lord settled that debate. He said that the most important commandment is that you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. And then he said the second uh, commandment, the second is likewise you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So that is not the question, but what is the most repeated commandment in scripture? Well, the most repeated commandment in scripture is fear not, do not be afraid. Now, I, I went to try and double check this information because I, I'm supposing like, like me, you've seen it uh, uh, at different points, maybe online, maybe in some devotional book, that there are 365 uh, command, uh, commands to not be afraid in Scripture, or 366, one for each day of the year. Well, I'm sorry to be a, a killjoy. I, I don't think that is the case. But nonetheless, it is the most repeated command in Scripture. At least maybe a hundred, two hundred times, depending on how you count them, depending on, on, uh, on how you consider it to be a command or not, at, at least a few hundred times uh, we are told to not be afraid. And incidentally, let me just say this, since we spoke about the first commandment, to love God, the Lord your God with all your heart, to not be afraid is connected as every other commandment. When our Lord Jesus... Uh, presented that he said that all the commandments are summarized in those two and even the commandment to not be afraid is implied in it uh, has implied in it that we love the lord our god with all our hearts we're not afraid because our love is in god and that's a commandment that we can find all throughout the history of redemption all the way at the beginning with abraham the lord said to him it's in in genesis chapter 15 do not be afraid abram i'm i'm your shield your exceedingly great reward then to abram's son to isaac the lord comes to him appears to him in the in the same in the night and says i am the god of your father abraham do not fear for i am with you i will bless you and multiply your descendants for my servant abraham's sake to the people of God in the, in the wilderness, the Lord appeared and he says, I am the one who goes before you, that he will be with them, that he will not forsake them, that they should not fear or be dismayed. This morning we were looking at the book of Joshua. To Joshua, right at the start of his ministry there, in Joshua chapter 1, the Lord comes to him and says, I, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. But it's not just the Old Testament, the New Testament. How many times our Lord Jesus said this to the disciples. In fact, just before the crucifixion, as the Lord is giving his dismissal address, he says to them, let not your hearts be troubled. And then in John 14, 27, he says, peace I leave, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And I could go on and on and on quoting these verses. But they are important. And they are perhaps the most repeated commandment because the Lord knows our frame. He knows that we live in a world that is filled with uncertainty. Uncertainty in the present and when we start considering what what will become of of our lives the future and and this next year there is full of uncertainty and had the lord not told us to fear had the lord not revealed himself to us in this marvelous way showcasing for us his fatherly care we would be very right to have our hearts filled with fear it is the Lord's goodness that we don't see even more of that in the, wo- in the godless world. For what is our life? What can we control? So at the beginning of this, or at the end of this year, at the beginning of this new year tomorrow, I think it would be good for us to remember in a very straightforward way uh, the fatherly care of our God for us. Because if there is one thing that we can be absolutely sure about 2024. Well, there are two things we can be absolutely sure. Is that we don't know what 2024 is going to bring us, do we? We might have impressions of it. We might uh, deduce a few things. But we really don't know. For all we know, we may not even wake up to see 2024. But the other thing that we can be absolutely sure. Is that there is a God. In whose hands... Our times our lives are and this is the most effective antidote to our troubled and anxious hearts to know that God is in control that to know that um, our times as David expressed here in Psalm 31 there are times are in his hands you see just a little bit of context from Psalm 31 we don't really know when David penned this wonderful uh, psalm. We don't really know what particular trial of his life brought this about. But when David wrote this, we can tell. It is absolutely o- obvious that he was in suffering. And we know from, from the record of, of Samuel, uh, of the book of Samuel, that time and time again throughout his life, David faced troubles and trials. It wasn't so much that he was only at the beginning. You, you could even argue that as he grew older, some of those trials uh, became exponentially more difficult. And we can see that in, in his life when we read the record, uh, uh, a historical record, and we can see that even in this psalm, he suffered. He suffered a lot. So in that sense, he's a man like us, of like mind, of like passions, Verse 12, he goes on to say, I'm like a broken vessel. I'm like a, 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 a clay pot broken into pieces, he says. And it's not just poetic language. He was broken. He felt broken because of the trials that he faced. And let's all be honest. We've all felt like that, haven't we? Broken vessels because of the difficulties in our life. But then, verse 14, verse 15 reminds us, or David reminds himself, and, verse, uh, and it, it tells us that there is an antidote, that there is a solution to trust in the Lord, to know that he is our God, to be convinced and assured that our times are in his hands And that God protects each and every one of his dear children. Each and every one of them. As the prophet says, we are the apple of God's eye. Isn't that a wonderful statement? Before we come to consider some of this, isn't that a wonderful statement? There are days, our times are in God's hands. I'm guessing most of us, we would be very satisfied... To have our own lives in our hands and that that's not even truthful we don't control everything and therefore we don't control anything we don't control everything so therefore nothing is in our control it would be wonderful if the bible said that our lives are in the hands of the angels it would be wonderful if the Bible said. Uh, it would even be more wonderful if the Bible said that our hands are in the in the hands of uh, our times are in the hands of the seraphim or the or the archangel Gabriel. That would be something astounding. But for the Bible to say that our times are in the hands of God Himself, the Creator and Sustainer of everything, the One who is faithful and just, the One who is in control of everything, that is the most comforting truth that we can receive. It is in God's hand that our times are. And that's what I want us to, to consider this, this evening. That God is not in control of maybe 50% of our lives and we're in control of the other 50%. He's not in control of 70, 80, 90, 99% of our lives. God is in control of 100% of it. and to know that and to marry that knowledge that understanding with the fact that we know that God is good not just some of the time but all of the time that all things work together for good of those who are called according to his purpose those who love God that all that this is these two truths married they should bring a sense of not carelessness but of, of carefree of not being anxious about whatever is going to happen to us in this year to come, I'm not a biggest fan of some of these modern translations, particularly those that um, translate uh, very freely the, the the inspired word of God, because they're very interpretive. Interpretative. They're, I'd rather a, a more literal translation, but there is this one translation, the Good News Bible, that translates this verse, and I think. With all its faults, with with uh, the with, uh, the freeness of translating it in this way, they captured the the sentiment. My times are in your hands. This verse, the new Good News translation, tra- uh, translated it or paraphrased it better as "I am always in your care." That's the idea. My whole life, m- past, present, and future. M- everything that pertains to my life my family my work my 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 uh my relationships all of it from birth to death is in the hands of god everything the psalmist uh david in fact in in psalm 139 he says for you formed me my inward parts you covered me in in my mother's womb and then in verse 16 he, he says your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed god saw us while while we and saw our substance while we did not yet exist while we were yet unformed And your book and in your book they were all written the days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them Isn't that wonderful? Perhaps you're one of those people who would like to have been born at a different time. Perhaps you're one of those people who would have rather been born to a different family, to a different social uh, situation, to to all kinds of different things, in a different place in the world, perhaps. Maybe you would like to have been born with a different physical appearance. But the Bible says that God ordered everything sovereignly even or even before you were born it says in lamentations verse uh, chapter 3 verse 37 who is he who speaks and he comes to pass when the lord has not commanded it, it is, is it not from the mouth of the most high that woe and well-being proceed. So that's what I would want to consider this evening. There are times are in God's hands and then I'll draw a few applications. And I'm going to be honest, this is not my uh, sermon outline. Uh, Octav- Octavius Octavius Winslow, uh, 18th century, I want to say, um, preacher, he preached a sermon on this, um, on this passage and he Uh, it i stole the outline from him the four points where our life uh, the four points where our lives are in his hands the four specific things in which our lives are in god's hands and first of all we have the times of prosperity the times of prosperity our lives are in god's hands in times of prosperity (coughs) There are, good, there are times of prosperity, times of good, times where we see the fruits of our labor. Times when we, uh, that our lives are blessed with fruitfulness, whether that be in our workplace, whether that be in our families, whether that be in, our, in, uh, in other avenues, there are times of goodness. And God's in control of those times. It is God that gives us those times. There are people who are diligent and they receive and, uh, from the diligence of their work, but, but it is God who gives us that good. That's what Job says, isn't it? When Job, Job, and we'll consider Job a little bit more in a moment, when Job lost all his earthly possessions in one single day, in one fell swoop, as they say, what did he say? Shall we not receive the good and the bad? Shall we not receive the good? He's recognizing that God, that the Lord is the one that sends us the good times. His reaction was not, oh, the devil gave me good. Because sometimes we have that in Christianity, don't we? Uh, the, this ascetic, uh, monastical kind of sense that if you have anything good in your life, it's because uh, that's the devil tempting you that's that that's bad you should be poor there were quite a few number of great heresies in the in the history of the church because of this thinking that god cannot give you the good prosperous times but my brethren my brothers and sisters god can and does send us good in fact, as the Lord was speaking to the people of Israel as they were in the wilderness in Deuteronomy, he says, "Beware that you not for, Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 11 and following. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes which I commanded you today." And this is where he comes in, "lest you, when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, And when your herds and your flocks multiply, and your silver and your gold are multiplied, these are times of good, prosperity, and all that you have is multiplied. When your heart is lifted up, and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led you through that great and terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty land where there was no water, who brought water for you out of the flinty rock who fed you in the wilderness with manna which your fathers did not know that he might humble you and that he might test you to do you good in the end then you say in your heart my power and my might and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth so you you see what the sin uh, that uh, moses was warning the israelites about was they, they were going to have plenty. They were going to live through prosperous times. And I hear already Moses from the part of God is warning them. Be careful when you go through all of those things that you do not forget what the Lord has done. Be careful that you do not forget that it is the Lord that gave you that wealth. that it is the Lord that gave you that blessing. Because there will come a time when the temptation to say in your heart, it was my power, it was my might, it was me that did it. It was me that gained this wealth. And then verse 18, And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. He gives you that power. Paul describes a very similar sentiment in the New Testament with regards to times of prosperity. He says in 1 Corinthians 4.7, what, what do you have that was not given? And if, it, if you received it, why do you glory as if you did not receive it? It was given to you. It was a mercy. It was a gift. It was a grace. Why do you boast on these things? Or as we read in James chapter 4. There are those who, who, who think and in their prosperity, well, um, tomorrow we'll go to such and such a city, we'll stay there for, for a year and we'll, we'll do business and we'll make a profit. And, uh, and, and then James says, foolish, you're so, you're so stupid. You, don't you know? Don't you know that if the Lord wills, everything will be taken away? It is the Lord that gives you this. In, uh, in good old-fashioned English we would say don't count the chickens before they hatch but that's how people act they don't realize that the times of prosperity that the times of good are given from god and we forget and then we boast and we, we, we lose sight of god we don't give him thanks you should say james says if the lord wills we'll go to such and such a city if the lord wills we'll do this and that And now, I'm not... Sometimes people get this wrong. Mm. They think of, oh, if the Lord wills, it's kind of a a superstitious formula. Oh, you need to say it, otherwise uh, it will go bad with you. No, it's not about saying it every single time. I know perhaps all of us, we've met Christians like that. It becomes very pious. There's There's always that brother or sister that says in every single thing, oh, if the Lord wills, Lord willing... And it becomes very uh, like a a, something to lord it over others that's not the idea that we need to say it out loud but we need to have that sentiment of the heart if the lord wills i will prosper if the lord wills i will do this if the lord wills i will get this job if the lord wills i will i will uh, have success it is an attitude of the heart so that's the times of prosperity they are in god's hands so if it comes be thankful but there are also times of adversity. You cannot have the one without the other. The bright uh, sunshine and dark clouds flow from the same source. And the amazing thing, which I'm sure we all understand and we all lived and experienced through it, perhaps even in, in the same month, even in the same day, is that we can move from one state to the other in, in, a, in a moment's notice. It just happens one moment everything seems to be great and all of a sudden everything just comes tumbling down it's often softly in this in this direction sometimes to go from adversity to prosperity it's more of a gradual thing but but it is nonetheless the case now uh, having said that i'll say this lord willing this next year um, at least that's the plan lord willing we'll be considering the book of ecclesiastes and there's this wonderful, very famous, familiar p- passage to, to us that says that, that there are times. There are times of, of, uh, uh, to laugh. There are times to weep. There are times to mourn. There is time to dance. And what we're told in Ecclesiastes is that all of this is things br- brought about and given by God. So the times of our adversity are in God's hands. Job knew about this. That's why Job says, should we not receive from the Lord both the good and the bad? The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And now I'll, I would say this. We need to be careful with some of Job's friends. A lot of what they say is really bad theology. Not that the Bible has any bad theology, but the, Job's friends are, are kind of conveying uh, uh, bad uh, or, or useless friends, as Job himself calls them. Or they, they are conveying very bad advice but even a broken clock can be right twice a day and Eliphaz one of Job's friends he actually says that uh, that our affliction doesn't come from the dust when he's speaking to Job now he's wrong in the sense that he his theology is that oh Job is going through this because he sinned oh Job that's very, the, very much the problem with Prosperity Gospel these days, isn't it? That, that oh, if you're going through some, some difficulties, through some afflictions, through some trouble, oh, there's some sin that you need to repent of. It's your lack of faith. Well, usually in Prosperity Gospel circles, it's not your lack of faith, it's your lack of giving. You want to solve your problems, they say, give some more money. Because that's where you demonstrate your faith. But that's that's very much how Eliphaz, uh, Job's friend, uh, was reacting to it. He had had the right sense. Affliction doesn't come from the dust, he says. Our our times of trial and adversity don't come out of nothing. God sends it. His bad uh, interpretation is that, oh, that's because you sinned. That's his problem. But our affliction, our trouble, do not come out of nowhere. They are decreed by God. They come into our lives through human agents. People do us wrong. People, people will be unjust towards us. Uh, uh, but our adversity is not down to fate, to cruel fate, as they say. It just so happens. Sometimes you hear it, and I probably am a little bit uh, guilty of saying this. It is uh, something that often flows out of my mouth. Uh, but it's a very fatalistic thing to say and I, I do pray that the Lord would help me not to say it as much and not to think uh, or to express it in that way it is what it is that's how we express it so often is it is what it is it's this fatalistic well affliction has come it is what it is that's not the way that we should express it we understand that the good and the bad come from God and we should be thankful for both because we know behind it there is a good God who is in control of everything. The, 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 the prime example of this, brothers and sisters, the prime example of this is seen in the crucifixion of our Lord. Is there ever a time in, 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 in human experience that someone suffered a greater affliction than our Lord Jesus? Is there ever a time that someone has endured such injustice as Jesus endured? And now I ask you, was it fate? Was it just what it was? Was it uh, outside of God's control? No, it was very much within God's decree that it would happen. God had decreed that that His Son would come and live and die for our sins on on that cross. He was innocent, but He must die. And then the other side is you ask, well, what about human responsibility? Well, it's there. Did uh, Herod, Caiaphas, did, did they Pilate, did the, 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 the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees sin? Of course they did. Acts chapter 4 makes it clear. They did that wicked thing. And they will pay for that sin. But the wonderful thing, the comforting thing for you and me, brother and sister, is that in spite of that wicked thing that they did, God was not caught off guard. That in some mysterious way, that I don't, that I don't think any human being can unpack or, un, or, or, or unravel this mystery, in some mysterious way, both man is absolutely and total, totally responsible for their actions and their sins. And yet, God is in control of everything. That's why Paul just bursts out in doxology when, in Romans eleven, after having expounded this mystery between human responsibility and and uh, or after have dealt in this mystery between human responsibility and, and uh, divine sovereignty he bursts out and he says oh the depths are the riches of God's mercy, uh, wisdom and knowledge how unfathomable are his judgments how unsearchable are his ways who has understood the mind of the Lord who has become his counselor no no one for him from him and through him and to him are all things to him be glory forever so in in 2024 brothers and sisters I, I mentioned this this morning we will have to drink cups of affliction we will undergo adversity we are going to suffer in different ways but the comfort for for us is that even in the midst of that suffering we know that God has designed it for our good. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world Jesus said. So as we most definitely go through these times, let us not lose hope. Let us not lose sight. Let us not lose our trust because we understand that in some mysterious way God has purposes in it I love that hymn perhaps it would have been uh, fitting him to sing uh, this evening as well I have asked the Lord that I might grow in faith and love in every grace might more of his salvation know and seek more earnestly his faith uh, and then the hymn writer was it Newton or Cooper one of the two instead of this he made me feel the heathen evils of my well I'm not going to try and quote it anymore by, by heart but that's the point these inward trials that Him says I employ from self and trust to set you free that's how the Lord polishes us that's how the Lord prepares us that's how the Lord prepares us for, for heaven and thirdly not just our times of adversity and our times of prosperity but our times of temptation I'll be quick going through these last two it's even stranger our times of temptation our times of testing not just the outward physical trials that we face but the inward phys- spiritual trials and struggles that we face are in god's hands i don't know which kind of trials and temptations spiritually we will undergo this year but there are periods the bible calls it the evil day there are periods where we undergo them. Paul under, underwent them. In Corinthians, he, he, he to the Corinthians he writes and he can, remembers how they were so despairing that they feared for life itself, that they were so uh, attacked, that they uh, that they were fearing for life itself. It is God who sent. Uh, who allows it to come into our lives it's not god that tempts us but god allows it for our good the corinthians paul then goes on to say in chapter 10 verse 13 that no temptation befalls us except such is common to man and that god is faithful will not suffer you to be tempted above what you are able but with all temptation he will give you a way of escape. Isn't that wonderful? You don't know which temptations you're going to face this year. I don't know which temptations you're going to face tomorrow. But in God's sovereign control over everything, he knows every single temptation you are going to undergo. And at the same time that he allows it to happen in your life, he is preparing a way of escape. What it tells us is that God doesn't allow anything to come into our lives unless he permits it. I love how the, the authors of the 1689 con- London Confession of Faith put it. And I'm going to read it to you. I'm going to read it slowly. And then we'll move on to the, to the next point. The perfectly wise, righteous, and gracious God often allows his own children for a time to experience a variety of temptations and the sinfulness of their own hearts. He does this to chastise them for their former sins or to make them aware of the hidden strength of the corruption and deceitfulness of their hearts so that they may be humbled. Why does the Lord allow this? Even spiritual troubles come into our lives so that we may be humbled. He also does this to lead them to a closer and more constant dependence on him to sustain them, to make them more cautious about all future circumstances that may lead to sin. Isn't that wonderful? If the Lord doesn't send us uh, temptations... We wouldn't be aware of them in the future, but slowly, as if introducing us to these, uh, if the Lord doesn't allow, let me say it like this, if the Lord doesn't allow us to undergo temptations, uh, we wouldn't be aware of them. We would be uh, uh, frail and and, and fragile, but the Lord allows us to undergo them uh, as if gradually so that we become more and more like Christ And for other just and holy purposes. So whatever happens. To finish the quote. So whatever happens to any of his elect. Happens by his appointment. For his glory. And for their good. Wonderful. And finally. uh, Of the times that are in God's hands. Let us remind ourselves. Or this passage reminds us. That even our death. The time of our death is in God's hands. Again, I'll come to, to Job, such a wonderful uh, piece of scripture. Job says this, since his days are determined, the number of his months uh, is with you. You have appointed his limits so that he cannot pass. Brothers and sisters, I said this morning, and I'll say it again, none of us can be sure at the end of this year that we'll live, live to see the end of 2024. Is that troubling to you? I'll say a little bit more in a moment, but is that troubling to you? No. It's releasing. It's, it's, it's actually in some ways something that we long for. Because to be at home with the Lord is much better than anything else that this life has to offer. And isn't it wonderful to know that God's God has appointed our times. Prosperity. Of adversity. Of temptation. And even the time of our death. My brothers and sisters. We have nothing to fear then. If even the time of our death. Holds no sting. Has no power anymore over us. If we know like we read this morning. In Romans chapter 8 verse 18. That glory awaits us. On the other side of the grave. If we know to the part is much better to be at home with Christ is much better. Isn't that wonderful? Our life and our death in God's hands—the same hands as we'll sing in a moment—the same hands that were crucified, that were pierced for our cru- for our sins are now the hands that hold us up and protect us. I had a few points of application, but I did say to, to Peter just before that it was a dance sermon. Let me just, out of the four, I'll break it in half and I'll bring two applications. Do you believe this speaking to Christians do you believe that your times are in God's hands do you truly believe it as I was saying this morning there is such a thing as mental acquiescence as mental understanding that absolutely does absolutely nothing for us in our lives I'll give you a few examples we know that eating junk food is very bad for our health I know this, and yet we still eat junk food. It doesn't really impact the way we live. So to know something, it's not the same thing as to act upon it. Some of you perhaps will say, you know, you know that all that caffeine is not very healthy for you. And I would say, yes, I know. So do you act upon it? No. So my question is, do you know, do you believe this, that God is in control of your life? Not just with a mental assent not just i believe the doctrine i i teach the doctrine in sunday school to the children i i speak the doctrine to my brother and sister when he's going through uh, different uh, difficult times Uh, but do you know it so that when you go through those difficult times your heart is stilled by those same truths that our lord jesus said two thousand years ago are not uh, two sparrows sold for a silver coin Two sparrows that cannot even claim to have God as their father. But you can claim to have God as your father. Are you not so, not so much more worthy to the father than those two sparrows? Not even a hair from your head will fall. To believe in something, to truly believe in something should affect the way we interact with uh, with everything else in light of that especially when we're talking about the god who controls everything who is caring for us whose, whose times are our times are in his hands this god who is close to us he's not far away note that in psalm 31 verse 15 it's in his hands these days everything is done at a distance we we do zoom uh, we do classes at a distance we do at least we did funerals at a distance we did everything uh, by by uh, over the internet uh, as if by remote control but god says in his word there are times are in his hands close not far away his hands are not far away from from uh, his presence we're there So very difficult for us to, to, to understand this. In our twenty-first century, uh, detached world that we have, I think it was much easier for people in the days of David to understand what it means that our times are in the hands of God, because they understood, if the Lord sends uh, a drought, we starve next year. If the Lord sends rain out of season. Our crops will all rot before we get to the harvest, we'll we'll starve. Our times are in his hands. Our lives are completely in his hands. I think they were much more aware of this than we would be in our day, because we go to the supermarket and, and we all the food is there laid out before us. But it's not that not that different. If the Lord sends Rains and droughts. If the Lord sends wars, as we've seen actually this last year, everything just gets gets turning upside down. Let us remember. Let us remember that our times are indeed in His hands. It's an. I, I th- find it wonderful and last point that this psalm was very much i i think well not just think i know this psalm was very much on the on our lord's Mm -hmm. mind as he was dying there on the cross he quotes from this psalm father into your hands i commit my spirit same words that the psalmist david used And isn't it wonderful. that As he goes through this most excruciating. Trial. Affliction. Testing of his life. That any man has ever known. It was the words of this psalm. That brought comfort. To our Lord Jesus. Even in the most trialing of circumstances. But I'll finish by saying this. In light of that. Our lord jesus was taken to the cross because sin is a exceedingly detestable thing in the sight of the lord and yes this passage speaks great comfort if you're a believer and if you know yourself to be reconciled with god i hope like me i hope i've managed to convey this to you it brings great comfort even as we go through different difficulties, to know that our lives are in God's hands. Because we know those hands to be loving, caring, gracious, and merciful. So this comfort is only for you if you're a believer. If you're an unbeliever, you can have no such comfort. In fact, there is a a sort of a parallel passage in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, that speaks about falling into the hands of God. Well, without having been reconciled to him through his son it says that it is a terrible awful thing to fall into the hands of the living God without having made uh, reconciliation without having been made uh, right without having settled your account with God it is a horrible terrible awful thing to realize that your times are in his hands the worst thing that can happen to a person that hasn't been reconciled to God is to fall into his hands with ever, without ever having f- repented of his sins. Because in Psalm 31 it speaks about the fatherly care. But in the Hebrews Hebrews chapter 10 and the last verse, I believe it's 31, speaks about falling into the hands of a righteous holy and just god who repays wickedness justly my friend there is salvation there is a way of knowing that your life is in god's hands there is a way of knowing that your life is in god's loving fatherly hands but the only way is one. It's through Jesus Christ, perfect obedience and atoning death on Calvary's tree. There is no salvation outside of Christ. There is no other name given among men by which one must be saved. It's through Jesus Christ. And may the Lord bless His word. May the Lord strengthen us and comfort us in this year to come by reminding us time and time again that our days, our lives, our times are in his hands. And may God bless us to have that courage as Psalm 31 says, and let me just read the final verse, as to have that same assurance that David then commends to the, to the rest of the congregation in the last verse. It says, be of good courage. For 2024, be of good courage because he will strengthen your heart. He will, he will strengthen your heart, brother and sister. Be of good co- courage, all you who hope in the Lord.